we got here, there was absolutely no vegetation. And I remember looking around when I said, what do the cattle eat? Do they eat rocks? And it was just bare. We've been here over 30 years. Each year, the grasses are different. It's amazing. I mean, I, I think I know what a place looks like, and the next year, there are entirely different grasses in that place. Driving through southeastern Arizona, it would be easy to think that the Chihuahuan Desert had never known the verdance of grass. Wide, desolate, and dominated by strange and whimsical cacti, the landscape spans harsh, beige, and dusty to distant horizons on all sides. But one quick turn off State Highway 181 into the Chiricahua Mountains and the El Coronado Ranch of Joe and Blair Austin, and it's hard to remember the look of bare sand. Arizona sycamore, Mexican pinyon pine, and alligator juniper shade knee-high deer grass, and butterflies flock like ravens on the road. The Austin's ranch bristles with brush and wildlife, but it was not always this way. We got started about 30 years ago by accident. We didn't have any good intentions of saving the environment. Today, the Austins are renowned water catchers of the western U.S. and Mexico, but their work had humble beginnings. I actually had a road that I used for, you know, taking salt up for the cattle and, you know, maintenance of, uh, of fence lines, and it was getting washed out by flood events. And so I put in a couple of these structures, and I noticed after I had done that that it stayed greener a lot longer, and there's actually a mud puddle there a lot longer. We actually got a letter from the Border Patrol because one of these that we put on our Mexican ranch, the water was actually being backed up over the border road. So we got a call and they said, you know, our road is muddy and we can't cross. And I said, well, you know, mud in the desert is wonderful. The water catchment structures Joe is referring to are called chincheras, small dams of rocks and pebbles placed in the upper reaches of a watershed to slow the water's movement downhill. What we did was we started high up in the mountains Everywhere where the water was running off before and causing erosion, we'd put a little catchment in, say this big, and those rocks would stop the soil from eroding, and it would hold water, and little grasses started to come up there. So pretty soon, the whole hills were starting to fill with grasses. In his book, Gardeners of Eden, Dan Daggett remarks that the Austin's trincheras are more like art than industry, and I think he's onto something. As you build these chinchettas, you know, that water goes down on the ground and it may pop up in the middle of this hill. I mean, what's going into the ground here will sometimes affect the ground 100, 200, 300 yards down. You know, it may take three years. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, great works of art have no more abiding lesson than this. They teach us to abide by our spontaneous impressions. And the Austin's rock dams do just that. We never thought we would be interested in ecology. We never thought we would be interested in really anything scientific. We just thought, oh, this would be a nice place for vacation. You know, we'll come out here and we'll work in New York and we'll just come here for, you know, weekends in the summer and, you know, a month here and there. But as it turns out, we got on the land and we thought, you know, this land is in such bad condition. There's no water here. There's very little wildlife. You really need to be on the land. You can't be an absentee owner and be any good. 
To a Western rancher, the idea of eking out water catchment methods in a land with almost no rain might not seem like art, but these are no ordinary ranchers. Joe works on Wall Street, and Valer is an artist born and raised in New York. Their property in the southeastern corner of Arizona is just one of many properties, and between the El Coronado Ranch and one in the San Bernardino Mountains, the Austins own 35 miles of the border between the U.S. and Mexico. They could live anywhere. They could travel full-time. Perhaps the knowledge that they could be anywhere and do anything allows them the freedom to experiment on their land. I think if you had come to me at the beginning and said, you know, if you put in, you know, 5,000 rock structures or 10,000 rock structures, you're going to, you know, you'll make this ranch beautiful. I'd say, well, you know, forget it. That's too hard. But, you know, it just, like, we just started and we just continued. The Austin's ability to act on a whim and what's more to abide by it is not a freedom reserved for wealthy landowners. It is an attitude available to all. It was not their means, but their mindset that freed them from following only the well-worn land management practices of fellow ranchers. What makes their work art is that they allowed it to transform how they looked at their land. And when new patches of mud and water sprouted up in their driveway, the Austins trusted a spontaneous act enough to continue. We stopped counting the number of little water catchments at 20,000, but we probably have closer to 30,000. Now, instead of cows, they mostly raise grass. Though they are untraditional ranchers, the Austins model a quintessentially American ideal. The virtue of self-reliance, as it was reimagined by Ralph Waldo Emerson in his essay of the same title. In its pith, the term boils down to Emerson's declaration, I would write on the lintels of the doorpost, whim. The lintels of the West want new whimsy. They tire and peel under the bold lettering of old slogans and righteous morals and saving the environment agendas. There's a saying, and I'm trying to think what it was, the best fertilizer for land are the footsteps of its owners. Maybe our lintels ought reflect whimsy, the kind found in morning walks and in everyday art, in a love that isn't righteous and imposed from a distance, but realized in the dirtier details of driveway fixes and what might come next. Mud in the West is wonderful, and grass in the desert is too. And maybe the best models for this landscape are individuals who trust in mud and grass and rocks, and a couple more, and a couple more. For National Public Lands Radio, I'm Katie Hardy. <laughs>